Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Subscriptions for Authors podcast. Today, we have a really special interview with Avon Ellis, who is one of our first Subscriptions for Authors success stories. I don't wanna really take any credit for it, but I will say that she's been part of the community probably since the beginning of her subscription, and throughout her journey in the Subscriptions for Authors community has grown her subscription from zero to 100 subscribers. And if our podcasts and your amazing post in the Facebook group even helped even 1%, which she says it did, I think at least 1%, then that's amazing. We did something cool. And more than that, she did something incredible, which is create an amazing place for her fans where now over 100 readers pay her monthly and it makes her a significant income, something that has really changed her life and helped her cover some really essential costs for her family. So we're gonna get into how she does that. And she's a KU author, so she's not a serial fiction author on serialized fiction platforms. She does offer early access, but one chapter per month, so not 10 chapters per week or anything like that, yet she still is making this incredible income. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about how she's done that, how she has this amazing subscription, and how she's now creating these wonderful experiences with her fans, things that range from live events, to physical book boxes. It's a really fun, wide-ranging conversation. And in the end, we even start talking about lipstick, the creator economy, and the future of commerce, and how you as an author can get in on it and capitalize the opportunity. It's, I think, one of our best podcasts, and that's all because of you, Avon. So thank you for being a wonderful guest. Thank you all for listening. If you're not already part of the Descriptions for Authors community, you should join our Facebook group. And if you like this podcast, all I ask that you share it with a friend. We are starting a movement here, people subscriptions are going to become a bigger part of the publishing industry as we move forward in this decade. And in order to be able to build a world and build a future where we as storytellers can create communities for our fans, have more power, and be able to also generate some more revenue, then we have to spread the word. So if you can share this podcast with an author friend of yours, I'd be very grateful. But let's get into this one. Even Ellis from zero to 100 subscribers in under a year. Pretty incredible. Even wow, this was one I was very excited about because you have been a tremendous success in subscriptions and someone who is very near and dear, close to heart. So I would love to hear your story for someone who doesn't know you, who is Avon Ellis, what do you write? And most importantly, what happened to your subscription? How did you end up starting one? How did this all come to be? Okay, I write romantic comedy. And I write in different areas. I write, I have a Premier League team series. I have a billionaire series. I have a Royal series. And those are my three focus. But in the past, I've written hockey. I've written baseball, a lot of sports. And I had, I had just turned the corner in my career about two, three years ago where I could leave my day job and write from home. And I was looking ahead to the future. And the future came quickly <laughs> because my husband decided to retire from his job. And I was like, oh, gosh, now we have to pay for insurance. And so I was looking ahead to that moment. I didn't know that retirement was going to come exactly at this year, but his company started to downsize. And so we thought this would be a good time. But prior to that, I had started thinking, I'm going to have to pay for insurance. And as most good authors do, I was scrolling 20 books through 50K. And I just kind of do a scroll just to see what's going on. And Amelia's post was there. And she was talking about her success with Patreon. And I'm like, oh my God, this girl just she crushed it. Look at what she's done. And I immediately started digging into Patreon. I looked up other authors on Patreon. I looked up, I did a Google search authors on Patreon. And I thought, could this work for my community? And one thing I had noticed that I had thought about doing was at the back of every one of my books, I offer a bonus scene that you have to give your email to get. And it's always a proposal. Okay. So if you want to see how X proposed to Y, 
click here. You would not believe how many people do that. And I've built my newsletter list to over 10,000 subscribers just by doing a proposal bonus wow. at the end of each book. Yeah. And so I thought they like bonuses. Why yeah. not do a Patreon bonus? And so I started the Patreon account in April and I've already got over 107 subscribers and most of them are at the top two most expensive price point. And that has completely and more paid for my insurance. So I met my goal in less than 12 months, which I never ever thought would happen. So that's all thanks to Amelia. And then I joined subscription for authors and Michael is fantastic. You're fantastic about giving advice. And I highly recommend anyone who's watching this, be active in that group, read the post. You will find nuggets all the time if you just keep looking for them and see how you can apply them to your account. And that's basically how it happened. Wow. That's flattered you even contribute any of our help to helping you even the tiniest bit in this. But I want to dive into before you started your subscription, where you were publishing, because a lot of times we talk to authors and subscriptions are not apples to apples, depending on where mm -hmm. your reader is from and how you're doing it. It can be run up very differently. And it seems like you're doing yours based around bonus content. But before your subscription, where were most of your readers focused? Where were you publishing? Yeah, I am a Kindle Unlimited author. So all my books are in KU. So that adds a different wrinkle to Patreon. So my income is more than 90% Kindle Unlimited. I have a very high KU rate and I have an also an extremely active reader group on Facebook mm. with, with 1400 members who come in every day. They post stuff about, oh, this character would eat this or this character would wear this. And we talk about pop culture. We talk like one of the big discussion posts yesterday was I posted, hey, because I always write about food in my books. Love food, foodie. I said, Cheerios is coming out with a lemon flavor. What do we think about this? You would not believe the comments on that. And wow. so they're engaged on a daily level in the group. And so with being with Kindle Unlimited, I thought I can do bonus scenes. And another thing I did is I'm writing a book exclusively for Patreon. And this is, now this is where I dive a little bit different than what most people tell you to do on Patreon. They get one chapter a month. They're thrilled. They absolutely yeah. love it. And it's not as much pressure as trying to do a piece a chapter a week or a chapter every couple days. It's one chapter a month. They've been subscribed since April. And sometimes I'll give them two a month if I'm feeling really creative or I go, oh, I'm in a good space with this one. We're on chapter 13 and I usually write 32 yeah. chapters. So we have a long way to go before our, this book is finished, but they're excited about it and they look forward to it. Oh, we get a chapter. The first part of the month, they always get a chapter. So that's something that has worked tremendously well is the exclusive and it's a basketball story exclusive basketball story only on patreon and that's available at the three dollar a month level and then the rest is bonus content for every single one of the series and that increases by level and then the final level is you get the swag like i release about two books a year so you get a paperback you get autographed you get the bookmarks you get stickers and a custom mailer with that book design i have my artist do a custom design for the mailer that only they will get and so those are the different levels, but it's the once a month novel. Surprisingly, no one complains that they don't get more than one chapter a month. I love it. So it can work, but it, I think with Patreon, it's really about setting reader expectations. If you, yes. if you don't meet them or you overpromise, and then all of a sudden you're stressed out because you cannot do all these things you promised, that's when you start, I'm assuming you're going to see people drop. And I just made it very clear. Hey, I'll write this once a month. You'll get this once a month and you're going to get these four bonus scenes every month. And that's what they get. And they seem very happy. So that makes me happy. Wow. That's when you say readers have been with me for nine months, is that the kind of thing where it's the same readers, like in terms of unsubscribing and things like that, sometimes we talk about, authors get nervous. How long can a reader stay in my, 
and my subscription. They're only going to be there for a few months. That's scary. Your same readers, for the most part, stuck with you. Yeah, I'll get like, for example, last month I had two drops, but then I also had two people upgrade to the highest price point. You're going to always have drops. And here's the way I look at it. When I was in college, we're not going to talk about how long ago that was, but when I was in college, I drank Diet Coke every day. Purdue University, pop Diet Coke, walk class. I haven't had a Diet Coke in 20 years now. I don't hate Diet Coke. I just don't want it anymore. And that's going to happen no matter what product you are promoting. And I think if you can remember that, think like a consumer. Think, do you buy the same thing you bought two years ago? Does it mean you don't like the product? No, but you may have had a lifestyle change. You may have had a financial change. And I just accept that as part of the model. I just try to keep my current cons customers and clients as happy. I look at them as clients, really. As happy with the product that I have. And I understand that I'm, you're not always going to retain the same people. And it may not have anything to do with what you're putting out. Yeah, that's that's a really important thing for people to remember. Like, it's not always personal. Things no. change with our preferences. I know I have this happen. I think we all have it happen to us personally. Like, we experience this all the time. And I think 2%, by the way, to only have two people out of a 100-plus person subscription leave is, like, really good. I wouldn't be concerned if I was an author unless I was regularly seeing over 10% a month come out. That's, yeah. that's cause for concern. But if you're seeing anywhere from two to, it spikes some months, like some months, yeah. it spike. that's okay. But if it's regularly above 10%, I think that's a warning. I would say yes. If you're having a regular drop off and not many new subscribers, or you're noticing they're dropping, I would say notice that when they're dropping. If someone signs up one month and they're immediately dropping the next month and you see that kind of pattern, that to me says they're getting in, but that's not what they wanted or not meeting their expectations. But I think you're always going to have some drops, but yes, I agree with you, Michael, completely. If you're seeing that kind of number, then it's time to look at the tiers and start playing with it. I mean, I wouldn't shut down the shop necessarily, but okay, what can I try differently or do a poll? Hey, what do you guys want to see? And like I did, I put a poll up yesterday. Okay, I'm planning February's content. What couples do you want to see? Are there particular couples I haven't written about? Do you want a reverse point of view? Because I only write one person point of view. So they love when I do a reverse because I'm like, oh, I've never heard this person ever in their head. So... I offer, what would you like? And, that, and then I'll try to cater a little bit if mentally I match. Sometimes they come up with ideas and I'm like, oh, I don't, know, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I must have a scene where all the characters from all the series meets. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I do take their feedback and I think they feel heard. And that's an important part mm -hmm. too, making them feel heard. I'm sure you guys do the same thing with yours. Because you have a monthly live chat for your highest. Mm -hmm, I do. So how does that go? Do you, I know a lot of authors ask, well, how do you do that? Do you do it on Zoom or how do you do that? I do it on Zoom and believe it or not, on the last call we had like at 1.10 people were on, which I think is a lot considering the time zone differences. Two members, it was on a Friday night, but two people were on the call on Saturday from Australia, which blew my mind. Wow. They arranged their Australian morning and one girl actually came in, she was at the hair salon. She was in the chair getting her hair cut on Saturday while we were all still on Friday night in the United States. She's in Saturday getting her cut and she's participating. So at some points I may just mute because I'm getting my hair, I'm, they're putting the foil in and she was getting her highlights done and everything. I'm like, oh my gosh. But and we just talk how I'm talking to you guys. You probably can tell I'm a talker. So please, if you need to just tell me, hey, we have more questions, just feel <laughs> So we just talked and we talked about books and we talked about, in this particular call, I talked about, I always, I like 
using fashion in books. So we talked about beauty and makeup and I swatched some of my lipsticks and I was showing them stuff. So I try to go up things that tie to the book, but a lot of times we just talk, like we were talking, we had a big conversation about Target, believe it or not, in our last call. And that Australian Target is different than United States Target. And if you would have told me I would have been having that conversation on our monthly chat, I wouldn't have called that one. So do you, cause every author listening, I don't want to say that everyone should do a live stream meetup. I've mm -hmm. some authors, it's something they're very comfortable with and some authors, it's not. And if you're not comfortable with something, I never want to tell you to do it, but you seem to love it. And I'm curious for authors who might be interested in doing a live meetup over Zoom. You could do a live meetup in IRL too. That's a whole other mm -hmm. challenge. Speaking about a digital monthly meetup as part of a subscription, are you planning these out? What is the prep for it? How was the first time you did it? Was it scary being like, I'm going to be on a call with my readers? What is it going to go like? It really wasn't for me. But again, I'm a talker. If you're a talker, things are different. Hey, I get to have a conversation with some new people who yeah. don't. Because sometimes when I talk too much, I can see it in my own family. They start to do. Yeah. Okay. And nobody <laughs> forgot to move on for me to be quiet. These were people who were excited to talk to me. So I was excited to talk to them. But really, I didn't do a lot of prep for it, to be honest. I just think, okay, maybe. And you're trying to figure it out. We're, this is all, We've only had two calls. So we're still figuring out how that's going to run and stuff. The first one, I was trying to make a little more structured, and it didn't work as well for me. And some of them were really shy at first. They were Like two of them told yeah. me, I'm having a fangirl moment. I'm like, oh, God, no, we're not having fangirl. We're just talking. We're just we're just talking. We're gonna have a good time. So now it's becoming more conversational, and they're starting to talk to each other, which has been really cool. Yeah, magic. That's awesome. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It takes a it takes a while to get your readers to talk to each other. You have to facilitate that, but that's awesome. Second yeah. time. Yeah. So there's a, and, and like I said, the first phone call we had four, and then the next phone call we had ten. And it really just depends on people's schedule because I always put a poll up. This is one thing I do. What day and time would be you would like to have the month's call? So that way I can see what really works best for most people, especially because I had no idea I was going to have Australians joining. So now I have to take that into consideration. That the Australians joined for two weeks in a row, for two months, two calls in a row. So I'm like, okay, I need to count that in because they really want to participate and be a part of this. Oh, I just I love that so much. And I think this is showing people, and I'm just so happy to be talking to you, that there's something about a membership, a subscription. We get all the time this question from authors, which is there's already Kindle Unlimited. People can pay $10 a month to access a million books. Why would anyone ever pay me $10 a month when I'm, I don't think anyone can write a million books a month. So you know, why, why would anyone pay me that? But you're showing that this is something more than just a book. This is an experience. This is hanging out with friends. And that is really unique. I think that this is going to continue to go really well for you and that this live stream event will really be a great thing for your fandom. I'm hopeful. Well, thank you. And part of it is the only thing I wish was a little different with Patreon is there's not really a good way for them to engage with each other unless I post something and they can comment. So that's why I do think the Facebook reader group is still an important tool to have. I know some people just want to put that all, delete all. And if you're not comfortable with that, don't do it. But again, for two times just this week alone, I've had two Patreon people post in that reader group something from Patreon. Oh my gosh, one girl just posted last night. I started the Miami Hoops, the basketball series in Patreon. And she said, I joined at this level so I could read everything. She joined at the $10 level. She said, but I'm obsessed with this book. I've already read all 13 chapters and I absolutely cannot wait for chapter 14. That's a great 
what's the word I'm looking? You think I would know the word? I talk so much and I write so much and I can't find the word. But great promotional piece, so to speak. Yeah. In that reader group with 1,400 people seeing, oh, wow, on Patreon, they're really liking this story. And another one posted a picture of the book I sent them. And I think it's a strong cross-promotional tool to get people to join Patreon. So I wouldn't necessarily ever close that. I did try Mighty Networks one, but what was interesting about that, people do not come over. They did not come over. It was weird. It was different. Facebook, they can check on their kids. They can check on their fitness check-in and they can scroll through my thing all at the same time. With the Mighty Networks, they're logging in just to look at you. And that's something I would just recommend to consider if you're looking for alternate platforms. I really wanted it to work and it never worked. I had 300 people sign up and I'd post and maybe one person would comment. So that was something that did not work personally for me was finding that space outside of Facebook. That doesn't... Yeah, that doesn't surprise me either. But I, like going back a little bit, when we were talking about the Facebook groups, what I found works, what is really cool is I've seen a lot of my readers and my friends who also have subscriptions, their readers, go into like really popular Facebook groups and say, oh my gosh, you know how like in some romance groups, people are asking for specific stories and our readers will go into those groups and be like, oh my gosh, like, um, this author writes exactly what you're looking for and her books are, she has a subscription where all of her books are. You should definitely check it out. And they will go into these big groups and promote for you. Oh that's my God, that's so amazing. That connection. If you have that good connection with your readers, they'll do that for you. And it's yeah. mind blowing. It is, isn't it? And I don't know if I've had that yet because no one's, I've not been tagged in anything like that. But it's hearing that, I'm not surprised for you at all. You have such a huge Patreon base and they're very passionate about it. And uh, yeah, I would just not be afraid to try it. What do you have to lose by trying? That's my thing. Yeah, that's a great point. Cause now I want to talk about you starting because you had an existing readership income unlimited and, or largely income unlimited. And you're switching to this whole kind of additional cause you're still income unlimited and that's a great revenue stream and a great place to find the readers, but you're switching to this additional business model and was it something that you spent months planning? Like, how did you approach the actual process of, oh, I went live, I have a tier, hey, readers, come join. How was that process? I did a lot of reconnaissance on Amelia's account and <laughs> other authors' accounts. And I looked at authors, not just romance. I looked at all kinds of authors because I thought, okay, you might write science fiction, but you might have a really cool tier idea that I can morph into something that would work for my readers. I don't know if... When did I start? Gosh, well, you think I'd remember that, but I don't. <laughs> I just know it was probably at least 30 days before. I didn't spend a lot of time, but I studied a lot of tiers. I took a lot of screenshots, compiled them, laid them out, saying, okay, what are some of the things? First, I did not add a high tier because I really was just trying to test it. I thought, okay, $10 is going to be a huge ask, especially for Kindle Unlimited readers. Because you think about that, they're paying like, what, $9.99 a month? Yeah. Now I'm, that's for them to read all kinds of authors and all kinds of books. And now I'm asking you for $10 for a exclusive book and bonus scenes and my thoughts on a new lipstick that came out because I do product reviews too. And the only reason I do product reviews is I can tie them into pop culture that is in my books. So I'll do a product review too. So I'm like, I thought, I don't know who's going to pay for that, but I'll put it up there. Well, lo and behold, I was shocked at, you know, at how many just skipped the first two tiers and went straight to that. And then I thought, okay, and I started getting braver. Like, I want to say around July, August, I started thinking maybe I need to add the higher dollar tier. But I was still afraid. I admit it. I'm like, is this too much of an ask? Is a paper book back 
twice a year are going to be enough of a gift. And then, cause there's going to be, obviously there's a lot of months, there's $20, there's no book coming out, but this pays all for when the books do come and the stuff that goes inside them and the mailing and all that. And yeah, that's my second most popular tier now is the $20 a month. Tier. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And I launched that in December. Whoa. Oh my that's, gosh. That's yeah. Yeah. I'm closing in, I think on 30 people on that level. Wow. wow. Yeah. So you, for those who are looking at your description, which I will link it down below. We always mm -hmm. do this great people to check out and potentially yeah. support as well, but there's a $3, a $5, a $10 and a $20 tier. That's pretty incredible to have 30, 30 ish percent of your audience in that $20 tier. That's yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. Yeah. That surprised me too, especially in this economy right now, to be honest, in this economy for real, I thought what I anticipated going into the last half of this year and 2023 was that I would see drops down. Like I might see a $10 subscriber move to a five or move to a three. Just saying, I just don't want to spend my discretionary income there, but actually the opposites kind of happened. A lot of 10 jumped to the 20 and yeah. I'm seeing five jump to the 20. It's surprising. But I think again, I, if you're, I was just gonna say, I've noticed that too. Isn't that strange? Cause it's, I, it's the opposite yeah. of what I thought, but I think if you're providing something that makes people feel good and they're willing to invest in the experience and obviously they're enjoying the experience or they wouldn't be upgrading. Like they think they're definitely getting value and they want to get that extra. Uh, but yeah, my $10 tier, I give you an arc of the books that come out within the year. And I had someone comment, Oh, this subscription alone is the price is worth the arc. That interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought so That's too. Oh, no, I'm not surprised by it. And I think this is what makes pricing subscriptions unbelievably difficult because in reality, although we've had players like, because Amazon's game has never been to make money off books. They lose money on their retail arm. They lose money. 150% of their profits in 2018 came from AWS, which is cloud computing. They don't make money selling yeah. anything related to books. And most of their money, even off books, will come from the advertising, which authors are spending back. So. All that said, Amazon is a very different game than we have as authors, which is we would like to make some money doing what we do. Yeah. The thing about it though, is that anything that's emotionally so evocative and that someone's connected to price, any like normal way of pricing, something goes out the door. It, people are very irrational. Is your book really worth any amount? No one goes, no one can put a price on that. That's the tough part because we are asked to put a price on it in order to feed ourselves. But that's really interesting. And I think when I think about things, cause I, I always, I always think it's a tough balance. You have to walk as an author with pricing because on one hand you need to make money, but on another hand, you don't want to make things inaccessible for potentially fans who support you. But I think you have a really interesting strategy. One is you still have your free community that you're spending time in. That is successful gets, And it makes sense that, yeah, if you want access to additional benefits and time, and another experience that you'd have to pay for it. Artists don't perform concerts for free. So I think that's a really good strategy. But I also think thinking about your $20 tier, that is considering what a night out costs and considering that you are giving your readers something similar to that experience and hanging out with them. That is actually somewhat achievable. And I'm not saying this is what's happening, but I can see readers and people in general going, huh, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars going out to a bar or name that place that you're going out to, to try and be with friends. Or maybe for a lot of people, they live far from even a place where they could go and meet people. They actually might have, whether it's an illness or family situations in which they aren't able 
to actually go out and connect with others. And you're creating that experience for what is relatively a low amount when you think about it that way. So that's my big advice on pricing. But I look at the $20 and then I think about international shipping. And I'm wondering how that's working for you because are you shipping books international? Yeah, I shipped three books to Australia. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't think I'd have international subscribers. So I really didn't. That's one thing. Think about, learn from me, think about international. But the way I'm looking at it now, if I'm planning to release two books this year, so that would be two paperbacks I have to ship. And if someone's subscribed to me all year long, paying $20 a month, that washes out in my book. So I have a question about that. Do they have to be in that $20 tier for a specific amount of time before? Like, what if somebody joins the month that you release that book? Do yeah. Do they still get a, yeah. a paperback? I'm, I'm doing it that way. I know when I did my research, a lot of authors have, you have to be in this so many months before you can qualify for that. I'm just going off goodwill and I want to make a good consumer experience and sometimes you're going to have things like that mm -hmm. happen so far it's worked what i did do is because i had planned for this the book that i released on monday I was i initially was thinking it might come out in december and that just didn't happen but to make good to them i said hey i've recovered book one in my baseball series i'm going to send everybody in this level a copy of that they're like oh wow okay cool so they actually got a surprise book out of it and i had a custom mailer designed for it i put a thank you note and i personally addressed each book like, I didn't just sign my name. I did a personal reading. And I did have someone DM me say, I never thought you would customize it. That was another thing. If you have the time, customization is really good because it makes someone feel really valued. Because mm. they were actually just shocked that I wrote their name on the book. There's another pro tip. If you have the time, customization is huge. And I put a handwritten note, thank you card, custom Avonella's thank you card, wrote to each person. And I said that as a thank you for joining at this level. And then I will do another shipment when my books come in about a week or two. This will be the first official, the book that released during your membership and you're getting this book. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I have a question for just people at home listening because I hear custom mailers, custom anything print, and I'm thinking, where are you getting that? You don't have to share if you're uncomfortable, but I think it could be helpful to some people just to hear where you get it from. Yeah, Sticker Mule. Okay. Sticker Mule has custom mailers, poly mailers, which is what I get. And first I was worried. I thought when I realized I was having to ship to Australia, I'm like, is this going to make it to Australia? Is this going to come up beat up? And no, the person who posted the picture in my reader group was from Australia. So, so they were like, oh, look at the book and everything. And the only thing they were bummed about is on the custom mailer, the customs form went right over the character space. Oh, so they got this mailer and they're like, oh, there's this big customs label slapped right on top. Um, so I thought maybe I need to make them dual-sided. So that way custom will oh. go on. You can get the poly mailers or you can get even bubble padded mailers. But the poly I found made it to Australia, so I'm good with those. And they do a really nice job with them. I really like them. And I think readers think they're really cool, except I do warn them now. The one thing I didn't do is someone did DM me and said, I almost cut off the top of her head because I didn't realize it was a custom mailer because they got it on the other side, which just had a mailing label on it. And she started to cut the thing open. And then she happened to look and she said, I almost decapitated Haley. That was the character that was on the cover. So I tell them now, make sure you flip it over both sides before you open it so you can see the art on it. But they like those a lot. I love that idea. Custom packaging. That's incredible. I, yeah, that, that's so amazing. I'm now curious because you've had what seems like an amazing first year-ish, started in 22, now we're at the beginning of 2023. What were some things that surprised you or some of the big lessons that you learned in the first 
nine-ish months of your subscription. Oh, it surprised me. They were on board with a chapter a month for a book. That really surprised mm-hmm. me. And I did not initially have that in my offer. That was added later because I just thought, oh, my first thought was, I'll show them some stuff that never made it, that never made it to publishing were projects I started. This was a project I thought I was going to write two books at one time and that didn't work out so well. And I only wrote four chapters or five chapters of this book. And they're like, you need to finish this. And then someone said, why don't you make this Patreon exclusive? And I said, okay, as long as we all understand this is a rough draft and it will be probably a chapter, maybe two a month at the most. Cool. They were excited. They wanted it. They wanted it that bad. I never thought they would be okay with that. Just based on everything I had heard about what you have to produce for Patreon to keep people happy. And I was seeing a lot of people doing a chapter a week and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do that and keep up with my regular writing, but I want each thing to be equally good and equally valuable. And so that surprised me and that work that's been very successful. And also just people jumping to the higher price points surprised me a lot. And that people actually love the Patreon community, even though they don't get to have the conversations, like they can post a subject over in the Facebook group and have a conversation. When I post something, they will talk in there and talk to each other. And several of them said, I love this community, which that surprised me because they don't have the freedom they do like in a Facebook group. Hey, I saw this. I'm going to post it. Right. When they come over to Patreon, it's driven by me. And I've even thought about trying a daily conversation thread or a weekly conversation thread open by me just to see what happens with it. Are they going to talk to each other if I open that door and say, hey, what's going on this week? Tell me what's new. That's something I want to test in the future. But that has surprised me too. That's awesome. I also, Amelia, I think you were going to say something earlier, maybe. Do you want to pick up on uh, that? I saw your mouth like open at one point. And I was like, I think you have a thought. I, maybe. I think, I think it's like a big, oh my God, I cannot say the word sorry i'm all over the place right now a lot of people think that you have to produce a lot of content for a subscription but like we were talking about before it's just all the expectations you set because i I do produce a lot of content on my subscription but that's how i write i tend to write really fast but the subscription i just opened like a few months ago i'm only producing one chapter or one episode per month and people are joining daily and it's crazy i'm just like oh so I don't have to produce so much content for people to join and want to be there. Yeah, I produce a chapter and then I produce four bonus pieces in a chapter each month. And usually a bonus piece is anywhere from 1,500 words to maybe 2,500 words. So they're not massive bonus pieces. What I do is I usually do one a week and that's in addition to my other writing. So it doesn't really interfere. That's one thing I think a lot of people think, oh my God, this is going to interfere with my writing schedule, yeah. my books. You can make it work, but just don't overpromise. And maybe my advice would be start smaller. Say I'm going to offer once a month or I'm going to offer two bonus pieces or I'm going to offer character interviews. Start smaller and then add more and then maybe increase your tiers. That's another way to start if you're afraid of it. I think this is really good advice, especially for people coming from the world of e-retailers or Kindle Limited because so many of the success rates up to this point in subscriptions have been from the world of serial fiction. And yes. the cadence is just a bit different there. The chapters are much shorter than you would get. Kindle now chapters are a lot shorter. You're getting chapters that are a lot of a thousand words. And yes, authors might be releasing a chapter of that a week or sometimes two or three a week, but it's different because shorter, they're more bite-sized. And the readers who are reading on these apps have slightly different expectations. Now there's always an overlap in different segments of readers, but that is something I think if you were to go to any subscription site and look at all the successful authors, you would be like, oh, wow, this is this person's releasing a lot of content. But if you look at where else they're publishing, that can tell you a lot about the best comp authors for you. And if you're someone who's in Kindle Unlimited, you might want to look at someone more like Even, who's 
running a model maybe closer to what might work for your readers rather than someone who's just on a place like Wattpad or Radish or Railroad. Now there's hybrid authors. Amelia's doing a little bit of everything. So there's also that confusion too. That It's difficult to look at other authors and know who you should be paying attention to. But I think it's worthwhile not just looking at the subscription page and getting intimidated, but also going to their website and checking out the rest of their business and being like, okay, where does my business fall into what they're doing? Going off that, a lot of people, I think where the misconception comes in is I say, hey, I produce t 10 chapters a week because that's what I'm currently doing. Those chapters are really short. A lot of people write chapters that are like 5,000 words and they're like, wow, I can't produce 50,000 words a week, but I'm just doing 10,000 words a week because my chapters are short. And so it would be very beneficial to not only just look at what they're doing from the outside, but actually maybe like you don't even have to join their subscription, but realize that they might not be writing as much or giving as much to their community as you think they are based on your experiences writing a chapter or your experiences running a community. You guys both brought up two things I never thought about, and those are brilliant points that need to be thought about. That's my mind's just going, why didn't I think of that when I was doing this research? I didn't think of that <laughs> at all. I just thought I can't do three chapters a week. Can't. So here's what I'm going to offer. <laughs> Hopefully people want it. I think another thing you can do too is before you launch in your newsletter, people will answer questions you post in a newsletter. There might be a handful of them, but they will answer. And I will ask what, like one of them I asked at the, for my, I think it was December newsletter. I asked, what do you want to see for me in 2023? What kind of extra things would you like? And one thing that came up, even though I already had the Patreon was bonus scenes. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really good. More bonus scenes. I'd like to read more about these characters. And I did email this person back and I did say, that's available in my Patreon community if you want that. Now, interesting enough, some of these people never subscribed to Patreon. They wanted those bonus scenes just for free. But we're running a business and it's yeah. not fair to my people who pay for Patreon. They're paying for yeah. this. So that's where that those bonus scenes are going to go. What also was interesting is another thing they wanted was signed paperback books. And I did not have a paperback shop simply because I did not want to have to deal with filling out the tax. I'm in Texas. You have to fill out a special tax seller thing, collect the taxes, pay the taxes. That was something that I wasn't really interested in doing. But I researched some more and I just opened an Etsy shop where they collect the taxes and they pay the taxes and I pay them portion of a service fee. And now I've already made in two weeks, like 27 orders I've filled off that Etsy store. So yeah, it, you get that. If you, if you ask, they will tell you. And yeah. it's just a matter of saying, how can I make this work? Cause I had the signed paperback thing for two years from people in the reader. When are you going to do that? I'm like, I don't want to do that. But then I got to thinking on it and because subscriptions would work, I think it opened my mind a little bit more to it. And yeah. then when I found a way to do it, that was best for me, I went ahead and did it and it's working. So I think it's some of those things. Don't be afraid to ask your newsletter. If you have a reader group, ask, put a poll up, put some ideas up. We'd get them excited about the idea of something different. And that's, again, I know I keep saying have a Facebook reader group, but this is why. You have a hot audience who already is invested in you. They've come to your Facebook. They've joined your group. They're there for a reason. Hear them. Speak mm. to them. Yeah. They will tell you what to do. And, again, yeah. not all of it you will do, but those two things started stemming and then just seeing, again, subscription for authors has been huge. And, again, I cannot recommend enough. If you're listening to this, you need to be in that group. And you need to participate. And it, lurking is fine at first, but participation is so much better because that gets the conversations going where you learn stuff. And Michael, 
you and Amelia have so much wisdom to share and you're so generous, generous with sharing it. Just keep your ears open. But again, use your newsletter, ask the question, use your reader group, ask the questions. You will get answers and you can work off those answers. I really believe that. I could not agree more with that. I think that what we're seeing is you're really what I'll call broadly a community-based creator. I think mm -hmm. that authors who are tapping into their communities, who are letting them fuel their creative work and making it more of this, it's not necessarily collaborative because let me tell you, your readers don't want to write your books with you. They want you to write your books. <laughs> they don't want to do any of that. But making them feel like you said heard a part of something bigger is what the thousand true fans model is about, which I'm so happy that you're expanding to things too beyond just a normal subscription payment because me and Amelia are like, subscriptions are great. We are on this group subscriptions for authors. But I always tell authors too, it doesn't end there. You don't have to just be on KU and then subscriptions. You can do more than that. There's a lot of other different models. Like you're finding with signed books, like one off purchases of that. People are willing to pay a lot more than that. And you can make a lot more per copy than you would selling a print on demand book on Amazon. 100%. And then part of me is kicking myself like, why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> but I just had to find the thing that worked for me. And believe it or not, as soon as I opened that Etsy store and started promoting it, I have five authors DM me. How are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Do you, oh, wow. How much of a cut are you giving up? And I said, me? It's worth it because that's paperwork I don't have to deal with. It's a bill I don't have to deal with. And they calculate shipping. Everything is done by them. It makes it really easy for me. And I just go twice a week to the post office. And now that my husband's retired, he's going to be going to the post office to drop off my books. <laughs> <laughs> but this, but again, it's listening and having a little bit of, I guess, being a, not afraid to fail because I could have opened this Etsy store and had no sales and it could sit there and have tumbleweeds rolling by it, but it's, that's okay for now because I'm not losing money. It's like 20 cents to list each listing. Yeah. But my goal is, I always thought, like with Patreon, if it doesn't work after about six months, let's see where it is, I can always shut it down, try something else, or look at it as a slow grow. But you aren't going to get anywhere if you want to grow and you're looking at revenue streams. I think having different revenue streams is really important. I think I'm really excited about the Patreon and where it can go. I'm excited about the Etsy store, and who knows what will come in the future. But I think having, and that's why I also write different types of series, because I want different revenue streams. There's going to be people who only read my sports books, so they're going to get the soccer books. There's people who just like Royals, and some of them will cross over and read everything, but I also have developed, it's kind of like legs on a table. I don't just want the table supported by one leg. I want it supported mm -hmm. by four solid legs. So that's what I'm looking for with each of these different streams as well. I think it's really interesting that you bring up the slow growth because I think that's what subscriptions are. Everyone, I, we were, me and Michael were talking about this, I think probably yesterday, but everyone is so focused on getting, having a huge launch for their books. They think they have to go onto subscriptions and have this huge successful launch, but that's not what it is. It's going to happen over an extended period of time and it's gonna be very slow. But once you get to that point, like it could take off like and grow really fast, or you could just continue to grow slowly. And you're just, there's no reason to, especially if you're doing like an early access model and you're already writing those books, or if you're already writing those bonus scenes anyway, there's no reason to just shut it down after one month because you only no. have like a handful of people. No, that's exactly right. Like I went into it going, okay, if this works, it works. And I had yeah. no expectation that I was gonna have a hundred subscribers within three months. No, yeah. I didn't have that at all. Every time I got one, I was excited. And I celebrated that. Oh, look, I got a, ooh, that one got a $5 one. This is so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> is celebrate every little win. And I think that kind of positive energy also goes to what you do. I think readers, if you're excited, they get excited. If you're doubting it and anxious about it, 
I don't know. I don't see how that sets you up for success. But I also have a business mind. I also knew, okay, if, if this just doesn't work, though, I'm not afraid to shut something down. I started once. This is a story I tell all the time. I have one standalone book. Only one. Everything else is serious. But there's only one because it did not perform the way I wanted it to. And it's called Green Tea Latte to Go. And it was a super cute book. And it even had mini pig pets. I love that book. And readers who have read it love it. But people just didn't find it. It just didn't make the big connection. And that was initially supposed to launch a new series for me. And I said, no. And now some people would say that was a mistake. But I should have done three books. And I should have seen if it grew. But I just thought, this doesn't compare to my other book numbers. And I'm just going to change it. I took the series title off of it. And I just left it as a standalone book. And yep. so I'm not afraid to make a hard business decision. And so that's how I went into Patreon. If it doesn't work, after, let's say, six months, my numbers were abysmal and I was losing money. Okay, that's the other thing. Are you losing money? Are you, am I buying all these things? And at that point, I wasn't because I didn't have the top tier. So that's another thing. If you if Maybe you go into it thinking, I'm going to offer things but not offer any kind of physical product. You don't have to. I didn't offer that until December. So I wasn't losing money. It was just I was putting up the bonus scenes and that was it. And you know, so you... I was going to say, what I recommend authors to think about, though, is when you do bonus scenes thinking about how much hours am I putting into my subscription in a month? It might be a few hours, might be more than that. And thinking about how much would excite you to get paid per hour. Do you want to get paid a dollar per hour per hour? Like maybe that's okay in the beginning, but it's nice to think about those things too, because if you're not offering physical goods, I still do see people like, I hear the worry of someone going, I'm spending 10 hours running my subscription and there's one reader inside. I understand how that could be a little bit deflating. So we have, and I'll link it in the description, something called the subscription pricing calculator that we just came out with this actually. So that, I was like, wait, where's this? <laughs> I know this is the first time, by the time this podcast is live, it'll be live. But what it is you'll enter in the spreadsheet, the pricing of your tiers, the expenses you have, and part of those expenses are the physical labor hours you put into it, because I believe that you are, your time is worth something as an author. And then in the end, you can actually figure out how much money am I making per tier and how much money I'm making overall with my subscription based on how many subscribers are inside it. So you could do that and be like, boom, with all this work and only five subscribers, this might not be worth it adding at this point, but then at a different point, when you have more subscribers, it might be worth it. So we did design that. It is coming out. It is kind That's of genius, but it's definitely helpful. I think too, you also, you have to look at it this way. Even if your subscription model doesn't take off right away, subscriptions are where we're going. If Go through your monthly bill, if you don't believe me, and tell me how many subscription services you are signed up for. I have everything from, because I write Premier League and I'm launching that series. I've already written some of the characters, but I'm launching that series. I watch Premier League, it's called football over in Europe, but soccer all the time, right? I subscribe to three different sports networks just for soccer. Okay, so think about that. That's three subscriptions just for soccer. Then I also get like an international yums box because I'm a foodie and I like foreign. But like this month it was Austria and all kinds of food from Austria. Cool. That's another subscription, right? You start going through it. This is what people and yeah. this is where people are going. And who knows what the future holds as far as like Amazon or anything like that. But this is ours. And I think that's where it's going. And I think it's important to start that now if you can. Yeah. It's the rise of the experience economy, which is a very broad, one of those big terms, but I will say that software as a service is massive. It makes up a percentage of the global economy at this point. Content as a service is exactly mm -hmm. what I would say, something like Amazon, Kindle Limited, Netflix is. Part of your subscription as an author is content as a service. 
but it's also community as a service. Yes. It's status as a service. And there's much more part of that, but it is a service, again, that you're offering your readers that they can access on a recurring basis. And there is a degree of ownership, a part of that, if you're sending out physical goods and things of that sort. But yeah, people really want experiences. People are willing to pay for it. And the big thing that I like to tell authors and why this is the best time, full stop to be an author, even with conversations around AI and all these uncertainties, back 30 years ago, publishers would only ever publish unless you were AA list, one of your books. And it would be priced anywhere around like maybe inflation adjusted, we'll just say $15 is the average price. So 30 years ago, we'll just pretend. But you would get today's equivalent of maybe a dollar, $2, $3 per sale. And that's it per year. So if you had one reader, all you could make off of them in a year was 2 or $3, which is fine. But that meant that you had to have 10,000 readers to even approach making a livable wage. And in reality, you had to have tens of thousands of readers. That is very hard. Very few books, if you look at a graph, sell over 10,000 books in the United States. However, between one and 10,000 copies, 70,000 books each year sell between that amount, between one and 10,000. And never mind all the books that sell between 100 and 1,000. That's hundreds of thousands. Those are each one reader. Those are buying those books. So what if you were able to increase the lifetime value of your readers instead of now in the indie world, we realize, huh, we don't have to write one book a year. We can publish five, 10 books a year and make the same amount. But there's a limit to that, right? We can't make 20 books a year or 30 books a year regularly, which means that our customer lifetime value of the course of a year is going to cap at $30 max, which is good. But that still means you need to make a living thousands plus ish readers, which there are authors who hit that. But now what if you were able to get, and this is what the super fan model is, that customer lifetime value up to $100. And the true fan model on the internet says that a thousand people paying you $100 a year can make you a living. That's what the creator economy is built on. That's what this is all about. Trying to say, how can you provide more services to your core readers so that your average reader doesn't pay you $2 that you're net taking home, but closer to $100. That makes this whole thing way easier. You don't have to compete with authors for bestseller lists or battle it out with the one next to you for a ranking, but instead can work together to create better relationships with readers. That sounds way yeah. fun to me. That's a, you put that so beautifully and it's so true because the thing about community is what people are missing and what people are looking for. And think about brands. And this is one thing I study, not just books, but brands that really connect with people that you wouldn't expect. How many times have you driven and have you seen that people put that Yeti from the, the cups and coolers, that bumper sticker on the back of their car? Think about that. What makes you so loyal to a brand that you're going to put a sticker on the back of your car for your thermal mug community? They created a good community that people wanted to belong to and people wanted to be a part of. And there's a lot of different brands that create that. Lululemon has done a really good job of that. So if you think like that, what bonds people, what makes them want to rally around this thing? What makes them so excited about a thermal cup? That's the one that blew my mind. They're so excited about their cooler. They put a bumper sticker on their car about a cooler. The reverse happens now when we get to realize as creators that we have an easier job than any of these big brands because we create things that our fans already geek out over. Yes. And how software and technology works now. We can create all the things those other companies do and build the brands ourselves. That's yes. like where we're going. And that is such a big trend, everyone, that like we're not ready for the world that will exist 10 years from now. And it's going to have so much more opportunity for creative people who ultimately nurture the community that you're talking about even, because now you can sell the water cool. You can sell the bumper sticker. You can sell anything and people will want it. And this sounds really futuristic, but it really isn't. 
3D printers are going to be a technology platform that goes live 10, 15 years from now. And if you're thinking about on that time scale building your business, your goods are going to become way more accessible to a lot more people. And in a world of 3D printers, when material is commoditized, just like content is commoditized now, what matters is community and connection. Yeah, and building a brand that people know exactly what they're getting when they come to you. I think that's been huge. And like I told you, like I've known for put, dropping makeup and fashion in my books. Here's another one. Okay, I got into a pattern where I would pick a perfume for heroin each book. And I would I did a lot of research into fragrance notes and what matched. And I used a real brand of perfume. And Joe Malone, because that's a personal favorite of mine, has popped up several times. Readers now go post when they bought Joe Malone. I splurged and got my first Joe Malone because they have tied into this community and they know that's part of the brand and they shared their pictures because they're excited about it, about being a part of that. And that's also part of my brand. They know when they read my book, they're going to get a fragrance drop and they want to know what perfume is going with this character. What journey is this character doing? And I think if you tie those things together, the community and the branding and creating other platforms in the subscription model, again, is so huge that that's where we're going. I, I think you can really set yourself up for some good success. I have a question. Did you make a post about that in a Facebook group? Yeah. Okay. Cause I, okay. So I think you inspired me to, so I'm actually weaving in a lipstick line into my mafia series and I'm going to launch it as a lipstick line in real life. And I'm pretty sure your post inspired me to like, Oh my God, like I need to get samples of this. I will pimp it. I'm oh, so yeah. into makeup. I am. Yeah. That's so cool because yeah, that's what I do. There's certain things I put in every book. You're always going to get what fragrance the heroine is wearing. She's always got a signature lipstick and I can maybe mm -hmm. use one and there's fashion and some people don't like that, but I'm not writing for them. Yeah. And it's oh. funny. It's, but those are the things and people come and talk about those things in my book. They talk about the pop culture references in my book. Yes. Can that date your book? Of course it does. Like five years from now, someone may be looking at it going, that's not even a thing anymore, but that's what okay. I write. That's who I am. You're going to have to roll with it. <laughs> that's what I, but again, it helps bonding people together. When they talk about, mm -hmm. ooh, this character loved avocado toast. I hate that. They will actually go in and post pictures of things they find on Instagram. Liz would love this. And sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes I'll post something. I go, what is that? I can't remember. What is that? <laughs> They've literally remembered every one of these little slips that I put in. And those are the things that make people talk and help create that community. I want to share something now because I'm like, I'm so excited about this. What we all talk about. And I want to put a call to action at the end of this for anyone listening, which is that there's just a big example that's more pop culture oriented, but this applies to smaller scales. Logan Paul and KSI, two definitely controversial creators, but they came together and started this drink brand that if you're above the age of 13 and under the age of 25 and a guy, you definitely know about and have probably bought it because they have that audience. And it's a competitor to Gatorade. And their first year, they generated $200 million in sales in their first year. Wow. They're already oh a main global drink brand because of the distribution they had and trust in their audience. It's selling out nationwide in stores. Likewise, Nelf, which is like a Disney, I call it the Disney for partying. So if you are also a college age male, Nelf boys, they're like the kind of internet creator that Justin Bieber fanboys over. There's a story about that one. But regardless, they have a drink brand called Happy Dad. And it is, I see the trucks everywhere. Nationwide distributed and a massive business. And these are people who have digital native brands. now. Think about the consumer economy. I've already told this to me, I may have shared this in the podcast, but who reads romance typically? I don't want to generalize, but they're mostly women who identify as women. And 70% of the consumer economy is driven by women. Wow. Okay. So we're seeing two brands 
made for like young dudes, absolutely crushing it. What would happen if, like you were saying, you already want to put Amelia's lipstick brand in your book. Yeah. What would happen if 50 romance creators got together, partnered with someone who could operate the brand and said, hey, we're going to build the next big lipstick company. We're going to build the next big fashion company. It would work. And if anyone is interested in that, just reach out to me, Amelia, because this is exactly the kind of stuff we work on. And this is where it's going. And I think that these authors, again, working together, not competing, can do tremendous things that can change our economy, not just our readers' lives, can change how our world looks and works. And see, I never, ever would have thought of what Amelia did with the lipstick, even though I have a natural audience for it, and what you're talking about with the drinks. So this is really exciting. I am so excited. Amelia, I'll have to get offline with you and DM you because I want to hear all oh, yeah. about this lipstick. I'm like, look, I put my lipstick on for you guys today. I'm like, so that. excited about this. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, because I'm like an ambassador for Joe Malone, but an unpaid one. Where do creators make most of their money? This is what authors haven't caught on to yet, which we're going to soon. 70% of the income for top YouTubers now comes from brands who are paying them. This is a massive industry that is $15 billion plus in the United States. The brands paying creators directly to promote their products. What we call influencers typically, we change the word to creators. And it sometimes gets a bad rep, but in reality, if you do it tastefully, like integrating it into Book. These are the sorts of things, if you're able to drive conversions to a brand that has a long customer lifetime value of any sort of product, that's valuable. So again, if you work for a brand, if you work or know someone who works for a company in consumer packaged goods, perfume, clothing, anything of a sort that a reader might be interested in buying, also reach out to us because I think we need to start this conversation. As authors, we have tough lives of like helping out our readers, writing books, but this change, we need to try and actually jump on because authors are every day missing out on more opportunities to create better experiences for the readers and make more money by literally just making their story worlds closer to the worlds that already exist in our real life, merging them together. And this is why our motto is Storytellers of the World. I love it. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. I'm so excited. It's been an amazing podcast. And I have one final question for you because sure. you've been amazing. My final question is, what, if you have any goals, what you're looking to for 2023 in your subscription? It seems like 2022 went really well, maybe surpassed your expectations. Yeah. What are you maybe thinking about for 2023? You'd think I would have an answer for this. <laughs> I really just am looking at steady growth. I'm not looking to expand the tiers at this point because I've really got my hands full shipping out all these paper masks as it is. I haven't done any research as to where I want to grow. I think because I didn't expect it to be so successful, to be honest. So that's something I still need to play with, but just steady growth right now and maybe another tier, but I'd have to look into what I could offer and what that could be. So that's a very disappointing answer considering the rest of the conversation, but that's the best I can about that one. No, that's, <laughs> I think also as well, a good reminder to everyone that you don't always have to constantly be planning. You don't have to constantly be setting these expectations and that just like you even sometimes you have to be okay to fail. It's easier mm -hmm. to fail and be okay with that. Meanwhile, you've had tremendous success, but to be okay with that feeling to start, to just start to begin with, it's helpful to not put six months of planning and hundreds of hours into one thing. Yeah, I didn't. Makes it a lot. That makes it a lot harder to, like, to fail. You're like, this needs to succeed. Try and make it so that your experiments don't need to succeed that you can keep trying to think. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's what I would end on. It's not that I've had plenty of failures. I'll pull the plug on a series and <laughs> 
It's just like, nope, not happening. So it's not like I haven't had that. So don't think I just did this and I'm successful at everything I do. It took me a long, like I told you, I've been writing for seven, eight, I've been writing my whole, since I could write. But I worked a day job up until two years ago. And even though I was having success, I didn't feel comfortable enough leaving that day job. And it was just till the past two years, I made the decision that I'm losing money having this day job. And so it didn't come overnight at all. I worked, I wrote, and I still do it. Part of my day job leftover was I would write in the school parking lot waiting to pick up my daughter every day. I'd, get, I'd leave the office, bring the laptop, open it up and pull the car seat all the way back and make that my office. And I would write until she came out. And then I would write on the weekends. But it's a habit I still keep. I will pick her up today. I leave in the afternoon. I still bring the laptop and I still work in the parking lot. It's just something that's built into me. And so don't think it has to be an overnight success. Don't think it has to all happen even in a year or two. As long as you aren't taking a financial hit from it, keep at it. Keep playing with it. Don't be afraid of it. And just start. Just start. That's amazing. And a great way to end this podcast. David, thank you so much for being here with us. I had a ton of fun. You are an inspiration. And for anyone who hasn't checked out her subscription, go check it out in the links below. And for anyone who isn't part of the Facebook group, Avent's in there too. And we're all here ready to help you and learn from each other because I like to say together we are boundless, but I'll end this off by saying our motto, which is storytellers with the world. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. I know I had an amazing time. Avent is wonderful and just beyond inspires me. We've been working for now like a year on this podcast and the Facebook group, which is almost weird to say, but... We technically started, I think, the Facebook group about a year from when this was released in the past. And me and Amelia did this to try and help authors. And I think we've helped some people, but to just see that someone got an inkling of inspiration, an inkling of goodness in their life that they've now brought to their readers and their own family and their own business is incredible. And it definitely has me fired up to want to give that same joy and opportunity to more readers and more authors. So I just got to say thank you. Thank you, Aiden. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for your support. It's been such an amazing journey from this community to start at zero, just me and Amelia, to now be basically 1,500 of us. And almost 500 of you listen every week to this podcast. I don't even know how to express that gratitude. And I just hope we can keep making these podcasts better. We've actually brought in an editor who'll be editing this right now. Her name's Renata and they're amazing. And we're hoping that we can just continue making more awesome content and building a more enriching community for all of you. Because just like you want to create a membership for your readers, we want to be a membership for you as an author where the price you pay is your passion. And I know if you're listening, especially if you're listening to this point in the podcast, you have passion. And one last thing I'll mention is that Ream, which is a subscription platform by fiction authors for fiction authors, something me and Amelia have been working on for about a year now, too, even a little over a year. We've been working with her husband, Sean Patnode. He's built Ream. He's a software engineer behind it. And it's going live to the public on May 7th, which is really exciting. And we'll have some more interesting things to announce in between now and then. But for you, if you want to get early access to Ream and be one of the first authors on the platform, then you should join our waitlist, which is in the description. Just have to click in, send your email, and we'll give you your invite before most of the world will ever get to see it. Ring's been going great so far in our early days, and we're just, it's my dream to be able to do this for you all as authors, and 
I'm energized every time I chat with y'all, every time I see y'all, and I couldn't be more grateful for that. So I hope you all have an amazing rest of your day. Sorry for getting a little sappy in the end. Like I'm an emotional guy. As fired up as I get, I really deeply feel things, and I just hope you all have an amazing rest of your day. I can't wait for what's to come. I'm optimistic about the future in publishing, and more than that, I'm optimistic about what happens when we bring a group of people together and focus on one thing, which is providing more interesting experiences to our readers and bringing more connection into the stories and into the communities we create. So have an amazing rest of your day, everyone. Happy writing. And don't forget, storytellers rule the world. Rule the world.